It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. similar age to me well we've just covered the rewinds of our youth of our childhood and we're going up creeping up through our adolescence and into our adulthood yes it's our final world cup rewind here today because the final is almost upon us on sunday we're going to take a look at the three most recent world cups in this podcast today we've got the 2010 world cup in south africa 2014 in brazil and we're going to russia for the 2018 world cup we've got france we've got spain we've got germany and we've got three incredible tournaments let's get stuck in And a quick reminder before we get going here on the final World Cup Rewind that we are here every day right up until Monday with coverage of this World Cup and the final, of course. The preview will come tomorrow. The World Cup final will be on Monday, every day, bright and breezy on the Sports Social Podcast Network and on YouTube as well, as well as what if videos on YouTube beyond the World Cup and into the new year. And of course, the uh, World Cup Great Games podcast series has ended on Patreon, but they're all up there for you. Some 28 podcasts, I believe, every single day that we've been covering that on uh, the old Patreon page there. £1 a month, by the way. Anyway, Vuvuzelas, Jabulanis, could this World Cup be entertaining in 2010? Well, it would It's it'd find a way in and amongst... The, uh, the the harsh noise of the Vuvuzelas, the uh, the penny floater that was the uh, Jabulani. But uh, I would say that the quarterfinals were probably amongst the best that we've ever had as a collection of four matches standalone. And um, 
whilst some of the football wasn't great in parts, it was by the end anything dramatic. You you, you have to say it fulfilled that criteria, if not the uh, if not the great football criteria. For example, we had the debutante and it was Slovakia. And uh, my word, did they show up helping to eliminate Italy? Robert Vitek, the hero in that 3-2 win. Italy, like France, had underperformed massively the first time that the uh, two World Cup finalists of the previous tournament had both gone out of the first round. France had their shocking mutiny, their potential player strike. They had an Elka sent home for calling uh, manager Raymond Dominic some unrepeatable words, and um, he was then forced out to read a player statement. The beginning of the end, of course, for Dominic. He was sacked after losing to... Uh, South Africa, meanwhile, Marcello Lippi stood down, the hero of 2006, of course, after uh, defeat to Slovakia and being ranked even lower than New Zealand. The only, the only unbeaten nation, but unfortunately with three draws, they were out at the groups. We had um, Nigeria banned by their government after failing to defeat Greece. And of course, with that, Yakubu's incredible miss incredible miss there were some great japan japan free kicks thrown in there for good measure against the uh, the danish you had diego fall on likewise mastering the jabulani on the whole you would say whilst wonderful drama it was a world cup of slightly lower standard than what we were used to the likes of fernando torres wayne rooney Lionel messi cristiano ronaldo the the mount rushmore supposedly of this world cup all of them failing to live up to expectations and their teams Outside of Torres and his team, they all failed to live up to expectations. And Torres's team, of course, is Spain. They'd finally broken their duck two years prior. In 1964, they had waited 44 years for a trophy and did so by uh, by winning the European Championships. In 2008, they had waited another 44 years, but wouldn't have to wait another 44 years beyond that. We had the rise of tiki-taka stroke, juego de posición, whichever one you want to uh, call it, and the rise of Barcelona and Pep Guardiola's teams. And with the national team, we had Vicente del Bosque, who mirrored that approach. Fernando Torres, as mentioned, was unfortunately largely missing through injury, but in the likes of uh, Busquets and Piquet in from the, uh, from the previous World Cup and David Villa really standing to attention, they um, they recovered from their slow start, losing to Switzerland, getting through via the bodies of Chile, who would join them in the last 16, and Honduras, who would continue their performance of always being eliminated at the groups, as they would do four years on in 2014. They would get past a Portuguese side in the last 16, courtesy of David Vera, of course, who Portugal had thrashed North Korea 7-0, but outside of that couldn't find another goal in their other games against Brazil and Ivory Coast, drawing both of them 0-0. And um, David Vera scored the winner against Portugal. He scored the winner against Paraguay, which was... Uh, which was a, a crazy quarterfinal, although it didn't have the goals, it didn't have the uh, incredible drama in the uh, of Uruguay, Ghana, or the quality on display of Brazil, Netherlands, or Argentina, Germany. It had a madcap few minutes with penalties, non-penalties. There could have been about four penalties in as many minutes. It was uh, a wild game, really. But uh, it was 1-0 from Spain in the quarterfinals. It was 1-0 from Spain in the uh, semifinals. A true tournament performance, as we see more and more of as we creep through this decade. Carlos Puyol to header from a corner 
enough to settle the scores between Spain and Germany. Germany, with the semi-final defeat, no longer a disappointment and back to being a tournament force. They have the products of their recent investment in recruitment and scouting. Thomas Muller, Sami Kadira, Tony Kroos, Meza Ozil, Jerome Boateng, Manuel Neuer were all part of Germany's big plan turn of the millennium. They'd, of course, as we mentioned in yesterday's episode, reaped the rewards of intensive scouting and humiliated England, not only at this World Cup, but in the European Championships under-21 tournament the previous year. And despite losing in the groups in the roadblock that was Serbia, they had won their group and um, quite comfortably in the end and humiliated England and Argentina, scoring eight goals. Fortunately, couldn't get over Spain, but they were certainly promising signs, not only for European Championships to come in 2012, but also the World Cup in Brazil four years on. England, they were under Fabio Capello and it was a, a, a brief dash of being alienated by the uh, surroundings in Rustenburg and uh, feeling imprisoned and a, a little bit of a dash of disappointing football. Wayne Rooney again unfit coming into the tournament with another broken foot and it was of course goal line technology but I am of the opinion I've calmed down in the uh, 12 years since I think Germany would have beaten us regardless despite the video that I did put out that uh, May or may not pick up some steam courtesy of this World Cup, but there we are. Argentina, they were under Diego Maradona as manager and uh, unfortunately without Lionel Messi's great club performances, but essentially suffered the same fate as England, were picked off on the counter quite readily and both fairly out of shape in all fairness. The Netherlands were the final opponents of Spain and this, this was not total football and Johan Cruyff was very... Very unhappy indeed. Mark Van Bommel was the tormentor-in-chief. The Dutch were now spoilers, although they did possess some great players who, to be fair, lit up the tournament first and foremost, Wesley Schneider. You've also got Ian Robin in their clash, Jan Huntelaar. They wouldn't face too much of a test in a group which, containing Japan, Denmark and Cameroon, you'd expect them to, but it was plain sailing for the Dutch, nine points from nine. And they did enough via the uh, their two main men, really, in all honesty, Robin and Schneider, to uh, to defeat surprise packages Slovakia in the last 16. Then they were supposed to be swept aside, just as they were in 1994 and 1998, by a very much fancied Brazilian team with Kaká in there as well, the, the fifth pillar of this World Cup that I failed to mention earlier. <laughs> they also had Felipe Melo, who was doing his best, Franz Beckenbauer, Lothar Mateus impersonation uh, in between the lines in midfield and defence. You also had Danny Alves, a world-class right-back, perhaps the best of all time. You had Luis Fabiano up front as well. Felipe Melo's tournament unfortunately came to a head against the Dutch, uh, lashing out to get a red card and a potential own goal, which I'd, I'd probably give more charitably to uh, Wesley Schneider there. And uh, that was Brazil's tournament kaput. The likes of Rubinho would... Uh, would also be in the squad. They, they, they wouldn't be back for the following tournaments. Only Danny Alves, out of the names mentioned, would be back for their hosting of the World Cup some four years on. Netherlands, they had to punish Uruguay for their mishaps in the quarterfinal. Of course, Uruguay, they'd got through South Korea view, through a superb performance, courtesy of Luis Suarez. They had got through the quarterfinals through Luis Suarez, but by far more nefarious means, of course. His handball against Ghana which stopped the ball going from going into the net to making it 2-1 in the quarterfinals on the 120th minute. Asamo Jian had dragged Ghana through to that point as well. 
they had uh, scored penalties galore in the group stages to get Ghana through to this point. And it was um, Asamo Jian as well who uh, was the hero in the last 16 against the United States after extra time here. He unfortunately hit the bar with the very last kick of the game to take the games into penalties and through Sebastian Abreu's cheeky little Penenka, they would uh, be defeated and Uruguay would be in the semi-finals for the first time since 1970, but were quickly disposed of. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst thunder-bastarded in a, uh, a first goal and uh, again, Wesley Snyder and Ian Robin were the stars of the show for the Dutch, scoring in quick succession to uh, put the game firmly beyond uh, La Celeste there. The final, as we mentioned yesterday, as we touched upon briefly, wasn't a pretty one. Not one to be proud of. It wasn't total football. It wasn't tiki-taka. Things to be proud of in Spanish and Dutch football. It was violent, underlined quite clearly by Nigel de Jong's kick on Xabi Alonso. It broke records for the amount of cards shown in a final, only to be uh, defeated in terms of World Cups galore on uh, the Battle of Nuremberg with uh, Portugal and the Dutch and... uh, in 2006, the Netherlands, they had chances primarily from uh, Iron Robin, just as Rob Rensenbrink did in 1978. But the final would go the way of 1978. The Dutch were beaten after extra time and the Spanish were probably deserving winners of the tournament. And um, Andres Iniesta provided a beautiful ending, scoring the winning goal in, in extra time, paying a tribute to his uh, his late friend as well, and uh, Spain were well on their way to dominating world football. They had emulated the likes of Brazil earlier on in the in the uh, in the century by winning two tournaments in a row. Likewise, France and likewise West Germany in the 1970s. They would win the European Championships in 2012 too, completely blowing all those teams out of the water by winning three tournaments in a row. But then it was time for the World Cup in Brazil, and we will get to that after this short break. 2014 football had come back to Brazil for the second time. It came back, unfortunately, under a cloud, as FIFA were perpetually under this cloud by this point. There were controversy over drinking laws in Brazil, the location of some stadiums, most notably Manaus in the Amazon, and um, the time it took to build quite a lot of the stadia as well. They were debutants in the form of Bosnia and Herzegovina, who I foolishly tipped to qualify from the group stage. And joining Bosnia on the first flight back were Italy, who started well against England, but like so many, fell foul to Costa Rica. Then they lost to Uruguay with a chunk of... Giorgio Chiellini's shoulder taken out for good measure. Of course, England were also joining them on the first plane home as well. Losing first against Italy, then against Uruguay. Disastrous despite Wayne Rooney scoring his one and only World Cup goal. Roy Hodgson's transition to youth not particularly working there. Portugal were another big name out who had a disastrous start to the tournament. Pepe sent off quite rightly as well and Thomas Muller's hat-trick seen to them for the for Germany there in a 4-0 victory and just about salvaged their place in the World Cup with a with a late draw against America, but ultimately it wasn't enough. And the fourth huge name was Spain, who rivaled Portugal for the worst start, losing 5-1 to Louis van Gaal's Dutch team. And of course we had the great stories of Costa Rica's incredible topping of the group of death, beating two 
former World Cup winners and going undefeated against a third, of course, England. It's the great story of Algeria earning the chance for 1982 revenge with the Germans by beating South Korea to finally make the knockout stage, as they should have done all those years ago. And it's Giorgio Samaras' last-minute penalty to send Greece and not Ivory Coast into the last 16 this was a World Cup far different to 2010. This was a World Cup that had absolutely everything. Despite four huge names on the first flight home there, we still had a knockout phase chock full of talent, a South American dominated World Cup. And of course, we only had to go to Brazil to uh, kickstart the tournament. They had a much improved squad. Their poster boy was Neymar, of course. They also had Coutinho, Marcelo, Oscar, Hulk, Thiago Silva, David Luiz, and the maligned Fred. Not the uh, Manchester United midfielder Fred, but the striker Fred. They coasted through a fairly simple group, in fairness, against Croatia on opening night against Mexico, despite the heroics from Guillermo Ochoa, who put in quite possibly one of the greatest World Cup goalkeeping performances and against Cameroon there. I thought they were incredibly fortunate to beat Chile in the last 16. Chile, who'd undergone a change from Marcelo Bielsa to Jorge Sampaoli, but retained quite a lot of the uh, philosophy there. They had helped beat and eliminate Spain after the Dutch had slain them 5-1. Chile, quite comfortably in the end, um, beat them and eliminated them with a 2-0 win. Chile were arguably better in the last 16 against Brazil too, but unfortunately, the cruelest of penalty misses, a, a penalty miss off the inside of the post, had Brazil through, had Chile out. And it was an all-South American quarter which saw Brazil play a Colombia team who were performing at their best World Cup yet, and James Rodriguez would win the Golden Boot. Most promising group team out of the entire tournament it could probably said alongside maybe Argentina maybe France um, they won all three games and uh, James Rodriguez would wrap up his golden boot in this game and the round prior scored a Puskas award winning volley against Uruguay as well unfortunately it was a bolt from the blue or rather yellow and the Celisau's David Luiz free kick and uh, that put pay to Colombia's unfortunate quarterfinal and uh, again, like Chile, probably could feel hard done by. They were playing some fantastic football. It would be the beginning of the end for the Brazilians, unfortunately. Thiago Silva was suspended for uh, numerous yellow cards throughout the tournament and Neymar would um, go down with a horrific back injury. So Brazil versus Germany in the semi-finals. Brazil were missing some huge names and Germany were just about getting going. Their first win against Portugal had given them enough steam to get into the last 16, but it was far from convincing, really, despite a 4-0 win over Portugal. I tend to think of it more as, more as Portuguese self-destruction than a, a, a very good German performance. Germany, there was expectations around them now. The youngsters from 2010 had matured, and unfortunately, they were expected to go and win Euro 2012. Perhaps one of the favourites as um, the likes of German football, the Dortmund, Bayern Munich. They were starting to threaten the um, the Spanish monopoly with um, Pep Guardiola soon to leave Barcelona for Bayern Munich, of course, with a, with a year out in between. And by 2014, he was just coming over the um, the Bundesliga title with... Bayern Munich after his first season there. 
German optimism, though, was in the toilet after uh, after a draw with um, with Ghana after uh, a real, real failure to uh, put some goals beyond America as well in the final group game. And it only picked up really with a virtuoso sweeper-keeper performance by Manuel Neuer against Algeria. And although 2-1 over Algeria after extra time doesn't really... Uh, Shouldn't really get the blood pumping, so to speak. It was um, lifting the mood for the uh, for the German fans. Had confidence up in the camp as well, and that followed a functional one nil win against a a France team who were probably in the same stages that Germany were in 2010. Quite an embryonic team, and um, like like Germany in 2010, France got undone by a set piece goal and a one nil win, a tournament win, and um, they were undergoing their own revolution with uh, Didier Deschamps. And of course, Germany's World Cup would be most remembered for a semi-final. The Minerazau and 7-1, the most famous of the World Cup semi-finals, it has to be said. It's part Brazilian self-destruction, most parts Brazilian self-destruction, if we're honest. Five goals conceded in the first half an hour. Sunday League defending would be um, harsh on Sunday League players, and it was quite clear that Whilst Neymar, yes, he was he was um, missing. It was rather Thiago Silva that um, his absence was more keenly felt as um, Brazil. They showed a bit of fire going forward, but ultimately their main the main reason why they lost that game as they did they would have lost it with Thiago Silva and Neymar. I'm of that opinion. But the the lack of organisation in the back line and um, was uh, clear to see right from the very first goal when it was nil nil and uh, and uh, Thomas Muller scored one of the simplest goals from a corner as you ever likely to see. The second goal was Miroslav Klose breaking the World Cup record, taking it from a Brazilian in Brazil against Brazil, and from then on in Brazilian heads went. Three goals, Sami Kadira and. Um, Tony Crows were just almost didn't want to score. It was um, that embarrassing. They were playing over playing and still had a an open goal for each of the next few goals. And by half time, Brazil were out of the World Cup. Germany were were not no longer pushing for more goals. Is it, it? It was. It didn't serve them to do to do that, especially against the hosts who were. Were the favourites going into this tournament um, by a lot of people? Um, Andre Schiller, though, didn't get that memo. He scored two goals. The the last one was quite emphatic. Um, the seventh, and um, Oscar then scores the uh, the most ridiculous consolation goal. And um, Brazil, if it wasn't supposed to be their tournament, their sixth World Cup, then on South American soil, it was supposed to be Lionel Messi's in Argentina. Lionel Messi, he was the best player in the world on form by reputation. They had a functional team as well. Di Maria, Sergio Aguero, Gonzalo Higuain, Javier Mascherano, who literally put his anus on the line to put Argentina into the World Cup final. And um, Lionel Messi, unlike the Argentina team in 2010, he would be able to lift them through the most difficult moments. He got winners against Bosnia and Iran fairly late on. He scored twice against Nigeria, earned all of Argentina's points in the group phase. And they teamed that in the knockout phase, at least, by being resolute defensively. Yes, they did need an extra-time winner against Switzerland in the last 16, but so did Germany against Argentina, and against uh, Algeria, rather. And Gonzalo Higuain's winner was fairly similar to how Germany scraped through in the quarterfinals as well. 
functional performance by the Argentines. A winner against Belgium, who were looking like dark horses, but had quite a a simple route to the quarterfinal. It's a terrific game of football in the last 16 against against America. And what was, as one of the seeded teams, a fairly simple group for Belgium with likes of Algeria, South Korea and Russia. Of course, Argentina would go through against the Dutch on penalties. The Dutch performing in their second shootout in a row. They couldn't do couldn't pull the same trick as they had done in the quarterfinals against Costa Rica, where, yes, Basilinson was uh, was pulled from the contest before the penalty shootout. Tim Krull was in and he saved a couple of penalties. Costa Rica were beaten in the quarterfinals, their greatest performance yet in a World Cup, even beating the performance from 1990. Meanwhile, Basilinson couldn't perform heroics like Krull and Argentina were through to the... Uh, to the final, yes, Louis van Gaal's Netherlands came out of the blocks like a freight train, but unfortunately tapered off and were uh, by the last 16, by the quarterfinals as well against Mexico and Costa Rica, which which does rival uh, Germany's run to the 2002 World Cup finals, being up there with one of the easiest. Um, by that point, they were incredibly fortunate. First with uh, Ian Robin taking a tumble against the Mexicans to uh, score a late penalty there to win the game, and then obviously against... Costa Rica on penalties in the quarterfinal. Germany on the face of the entire tournament were probably maybe deserving winners. It was a toss of the coin between them and Argentina, really. Both both probably had a, a good shout of um, being named the rightful World Cup winners. Again, a poor final because finals tended to be the, this way. The stakes were incredibly high and it was another extra time goal, the only goal of the, the final like it was in 2010 this time. Mario Goetze, and that came after, obviously, Gonzalo Higuain. Thought he'd won the World Cup with that offside goal, um, despite everybody knowing he was offside. But um, that is by the by. So Germany went into the 2018 World Cup, hopefully not wanting to suffer the same fate as Italy in 2010, as Spain in 2014, and, of course, before that, with the brief break for Brazil of 2006, of France in 2002. Yes, the World Cup curse. Was it alive and well as we go into Russia? Well, we'll we'll find out after this short break. Welcome back. It's 2018 and the hosts were Russia and probably probably more so on British shores. This was a controversial choice to host the World Cup, even more so now across the board, really. But the World Cup went off without a hitch. We had debutants in Iceland who had obviously stunned the world in the European Championships of 2016, but didn't do well enough in a tough group which also contained Argentina, Croatia and Nigeria. We also had Panama as debutants and they got slapped quite comfortably in a group containing Tunisia, England and Belgium. It was the tournament of incredible group stage drama, the miracle of Kazan with Germany's continuation of the World Cup curse. It was the the drama of Spain versus Portugal in the final day of Group B where neither Spain or Portugal could seemingly get over the line against relative minnows, Iran and Morocco. It was the World Cup of Senegal being eliminated at the group stage on yellow cards. It was a tournament which only had one nil-nil draw, which served both France and Denmark well for playing for it as both went through. It was the return to prominence of England, the continued promise of Belgium and the continued underperformance of Brazil, Spain 
and Portugal. It was the absence of America, the Netherlands and Italy, the unsuccessful returns of Egypt, Peru and Poland. And out of the group phase, we have probably the most impressive team being Croatia, the perpetual dark horses. In this team, we have a one-of-a-kind midfield, Luka Modric, Ivan Rakitic, and, of course, in defence, the impenetrable partnership of Domagoj Vida and Dejan Lovren with Ante Rebic, Ivan Perisic and Mandzukic, making up quite a formidable front three as well. They really put their marker down in the group phase with a humiliation of Argentina, 3-0. And that really showed how far Croatia had come from that one of their very first World Cup matches was a loss in a group phase to Argentina here. They were thrashing Argentina 3-0. And after 2-0 win over Nigeria, they were already qualified and they were one of three teams to earn a 100% record in the group phase. And not only were they thrashing teams, they were also grinding out wins and they really did show their uh, their stamina going into the uh, going into the, the final stages of this tournament, the tiring shootouts against the Danish, against the Russians, Russia who had stunned Spain, who looked like they were finally on course to do something, despite Fernando Hierro having to be parachuted in to the tournament because of uh, Julian Lopetegui's taking of the Real Madrid job, and obviously the Spanish FA not taking too kindly to that, and sacking him on the eve of the tournament. Regardless, they had enough good players and enough talent about that, enough philosophy about that they could uh, get far in what was a half of the draw that had only seen England and Spain win the World Cup prior, and it was England, and they're not going to do anything. But it was a buoyant England in the semi-final. Roy Hodgson was gone, and in between, Sam Allardyce was gone after one game, the most successful England manager by win rate, of course. But it was Gareth Southgate, a reluctant manager at first, but then had finally got England going by reverting to a back three that had helped England at 1990, that had helped England in parts at Euro 96 as well. They were the two bright spots in a quite beige, grey time for England since 1966. Here, whilst they would be found out in the semi-finals as being tactically naive in the 3-5-2 and not having anywhere to go outside of that, England brought good times back. The group stages, of course, it was a fairly simple 1-2 with uh, Belgium and uh, obviously the, the jump down to Tunisia and Panama, but the belief was still there. Putting six beyond Panama, Harry Kane was on for the golden boot, which he secured well in advance in the last 16 against Colombia. It was not only the beating of teams that you'd expect England to beat if you are an optimist, Colombia, Sweden... Panama, Tunisia, it was the, the method of doing so, the, the tactical ingenuity of playing three at the back, the, the late win against Tunisia, remaining calm, and the, of course, the banishing of penalty heartbreak that had, that had seen England lose time and time again against Germany, against Germany again, against Argentina, against Portugal, against Portugal again, and against Italy in 2012. Finally, they had won a World Cup penalty shootout against Colombia and then rather serenely. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. 
You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Felt kind of odd that England would beat Sweden in the quarterfinal and do so really quite comfortably and serenely and calm and all the tranquil, all the all them adjectives, all the semantics to do with uh, calmness there. But unfortunately, they weren't experienced enough, weren't tactically astute enough to get over a extra time period against Croatia, which they had famously led through Kieran Trippier. Just a couple of minutes in, would those lessons be learned in 2021? Some say no, some say maybe a little bit. Anyway, Perisic, Mandzukic and Croatia were in their very first final. Joining them as the winner of, of an incredibly tough half of the draw were France. Now, their coronation from the 2014 World Cup, where we mentioned, of course, that they were a young team losing to a functional and eventual champions, Germany, in 2014. They were supposed to be coronated just as Germany was supposed to be coronated at Euro 2012, but wouldn't. France exactly suffered the same fate, although not as much. They were, uh, or even more so, they were uh, taken to the final. Portugal were the team that had won one game in 90 minutes across the entire tournament and famously defeated France on French soil in the Stade de France as well. So France were following an eerily similar trajectory. They had bolstered their own scouting and coaching of youth players. They had an incredible roster to choose from and were suffering a defeat when they were expected to win and got quite close when they didn't expect to win. And now it was the time to follow up what Germany had done and follow in their footsteps. And they did exactly what they had done. It was a quite a slow start. The likes of Peru, Denmark, Australia falling with seven points, just as Germany had done in 2014. Did it without much fanfare, but in swapping Olivier Giroud out for Ousmane Dembele, they now had a a player almost in the mould of Stefan Grivac, but it was more purposeful this time. It was a false nine and it was France benefiting from those buzzing around him like your Antoine Griezmann, your Paul Pogba, N'Golo Kante as well. And of course, killing Mbappe, who really, if you had been living under a rock and you didn't know who killing Mbappe was, then you certainly did against Argentina. Scoring two, winning a penalty in a 4-3 win. And, it, and obviously the only goal he wasn't involved in, Benjamin Pavard's incredible, incredible faded volley, which for me is the goal of the tournament. I don't know about you, but there we are. And again, like Germany in 2014, functional in the quarterfinals. A set-piece goal to beat Uruguay, and of course a goalkeeping error to be chucked in there for good measure. And those tournament wins kept going fairly unremarkably. It wasn't a roller coaster. It was fairly, fairly level footing here against Belgium, who by 2018, everybody was expecting them to do well, to win the World Cup. Finally, they were the golden generation, the perpetual golden generation. We'd all heard stories like that before, though, by this point. We'd seen Portugal buckle under that, that weight in the early 2000s. England do likewise in the mid-2000s. And here, Belgium... They'd done incredibly well. Yes, the group was comfortable. The last 16, they ought to have beaten Japan far more comfortably than what they did. But in beating Japan going 2-0 down in the in the second half of the last 16 to then win it with quite possibly one of the great counter-attacking goals of World Cup history in the last minute, 
it showed a bit of character and then it was the turn to really for the likes of Romelu Lukaku, Kevin De Bruyne, an incredible defence, Eden Hazard, Thibaut Courtois to finally graduate, to become one of the elite by beating Brazil. And in the quarterfinals, it was a, a, a tiny bit like how England beat Sweden. It was almost too comfortable. You're suspicious, really, that you're in a dream from a Belgian perspective. And Brazil, they were just going down the same route as they had done time and time again after the uh, the the World Cup win of 2002. It was quarterfinals. And again, just like in 2006 against France, just like in 2010 against the Dutch, they fell in the quarterfinals. Obviously, the outlier there is when they hosted the tournament. But I would argue that they probably deserve to go out before the semi-final against Germany. That's my hot take on that one. Anyway, Brazil hadn't really performed to expectations. They'd drawn against Switzerland. They were incredibly fortunate against uh, Costa Rica to score too late on. And um, Neymar wasn't really... At his peak, in his pomp, he was more famed for his uh, incredible role on the touchline. I think it was against Switzerland, perhaps. Um, But regardless, Brazil were... Obviously, they're going to be named favourites just because of the name brand value alone. It it, it was just going to be that way, but um, they were far from it at this tournament here. In terms of the final, it was France versus Croatia. And you'd have to say that despite the 4-2 scoreline, which... France got fairly lucky in the first half with the own goal from Mandzukic and the VAR decision, which, by the letter of the law, yes, it was it was a handball, but common sense says it probably wasn't. But um, there we have France leading 2-1 by halftime by not really doing much. And in the second half, a little flurry with um, Mbappe scoring, the first teenager since Pelé, of course, to, uh, to score in a World Cup final and then Pogba scoring as well. A little brief flurry there and a couple of fortunate goals. That was enough to score four goals in a World Cup final, despite, let's be honest, the remainder of the match, Croatia being the better team. And it was Ivan Perisic scoring a wonderful equaliser. It was Mario Mandzukic latching onto uh, comical goalkeeping by Hugo Lloris. But in the end, it was Hugo Lloris lifting the World Cup trophy aloft. And here we see perhaps a lesson for the World Cup final. I don't know I'm recording these before the tournament. So we may have two teams who have absolutely obliterated the field or we may have two teams who have been incredibly functional. But here we had Croatia who played the best football in the tournament versus France who played the best tournament football in the tournament, by which I mean conserving their energy, picking up wins via any means possible, not really blowing anybody away by their you know, superb football. This wasn't a Brazil 1970. None of these World Cup wins in the 2010s were this blowing away of the entire field. Even Spain, who are rightly regarded as one of the, the greatest international teams ever assembled alongside Brazil of 1970, even them, they 1-0 their way to the World Cup in 2010. So far, their only World Cup. And that is the World Cup story, all wrapped up, the most recent World Cups as well, in there for good measure. We'll have a, a preview of the final tomorrow, we'll uh, we'll cover, well, well, we'll do a World Cup rewind, I suppose, of the entire tournament so far and see who will win the, uh, the 22nd edition of the World Cup in Qatar. And of course, on Monday, we will be reviewing the final and that will be our a final podcast of the year. We'll be, we'll probably deliver a couple of, um, a couple of 
teasers from the old Patreon page over the uh, Christmas period and New Year before returning in the second week of January every week here on the Sports Social Podcast Network. But until then, thank you very much for joining us throughout this World Cup. If you're on Patreon, you will have hopefully enjoyed the uh, the Great Games podcast and here on uh, over there on YouTube as well and here on YouTube for anybody just watching over there on YouTube this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed all the What If videos. It's been an incredible slog this month and um, hopefully some entertainment has been had. But thank you very much for listening, for supporting the channel any way you do from watching, listening and uh, even donating your hard-earned money to the channel. It's, um, yeah, thank you very much. I'm incredibly grateful. Until next time, silly. Up the three lions. Might not even be in it. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.